Hello, YouTube live streamers, and those of you who are listening to me on the normal places to catch a podcast. Guess what? The National League Championship Series Game 1 just ended, and I think the Yankees-Cleveland Series is over, too. I don't know. Maybe they were rained out again. It was a strange day of baseball, but do you know what? The better team won each game. And coming on to talk about it will be Stacey Gotsoulias of Locked On Yankees. But this is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Check out my lower third. You can call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer whose voice is apparently breaking right now. I've been a podcaster for over 10 years, and actually a very big anniversary of my personal podcasting is coming up next week. I'm going to have a little bit of fun celebrating that. Uh, you can follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram, and thanks so much for making us your first listen as we're available on all your podcast catchers. If you're watching us on the live stream at YouTube, throw us a comment on the chat. Maybe we'll talk about it. Maybe we won't. I can't promise you. And you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Well, the Yankees won. And you know what? They earned it. They earned it. I don't want to hear conspiracy theories or anything like that. The Yankees earned this, and you got to give them credit. And this is coming from a native New Englander. It's not easy for me to say that. Meanwhile, Zach Wheeler and the Phillies made quick work of the Padres in a 2-0 game, which I think lasted 10 minutes. It's one of the fastest playoff games I've seen in a long time. Hey, we see some people building up in the chat room. Anyone wants to say anything, please, please stop by. But the main thing I want to have on today's show is an impromptu visit from the person who brought me into the lockdown world, my good friend. And the host of the fantastic podcast, Locked on Yankees. Hey, that's Stacey Gutsulius. How you doing? I'm very well. Thank you. Uh, by the way, you know, my my um, my anniversary is when I did the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast. I did it every single day from October 24th, 2012 until April of 2017. And so what's coming up will be the 10th anniversary of the beginning of that daily podcast, of which you were... A guest on that show, I'm guessing three times, maybe. I think it was three. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, uh, I read something you wrote about your dad and Derek Jeter's final game. And then I read a bunch of your stuff. And it was clear that you were funny, but also that you and I are roughly the same age, you know, late 20s, and uh, had a very similar uh, pop culture reference point. And I said, I should have this person on the show. And if you just heard the first show you did, you would have assumed we went to the same high school together and had decades of experience with each other instead of you essentially being that a stranger. 
right. So uh, you're always you're always a, a welcome on here. And hey, by the way, also a person who's always welcome on here. Hey, uh, David, David Samuel Blaine, one of my great listeners who always chimes in the chat. How you doing? Nice to have you aboard. Okay, Stacy. Um, this is not the the conversation I thought I was going to be having with you when Oscar Gonzalez got that hit up the middle on Saturday evening, but you know what? You have to give the Yankees credit. They had two gut punch losses to Cleveland and they, they dusted themselves off and they got the, they got the wins when they needed to get them. Yeah. I still think that the off day between games one and two combined with the rainout that made it two days between those two games kind of screwed with the Yankees. The bye was supposed to give the top seeds an advantage and it worked for the Astros clearly didn't work for the Dodgers or the Braves and then the Yankees because of that rainout, they only played two games in nine days so they were a little they weren't all there so I wasn't expecting much from them uh heading into game I would say three you know the way they lost was really Boone's fault I'm yes. saying it here I've said it on my show Boone it was such a bullpen blunder on Saturday night. I don't know what he was thinking. Also, keeping IKF in the game. And well, I, I, I never understood that if he knew he didn't have, if he was not going to use Holmes, then why did he only give one out to Trevino and he pulled Luizica after like less than 20 pitches or something? It was like ridiculous. It's like you stretch those guys out a little if you know you're going to be shorthanded. Yeah, it was really odd what he did. But they won the series. Right. (laughs) Despite despite Boone's blunders. And, you know, he learned after that game on Saturday, don't put IKF at short. Now, they had to (laughs) in game five because of the injury to Hicks and because they had to shuffle things around. um, And IKF played shortstop, I think, the last two innings and actually made the last play of the game. And thankfully, it wasn't a bad one. But um, I'm hoping for the ALCS roster that the Yankees think of something else for shortstop because you can't have a guy that can't play short, play short in the playoffs because you have to win with pitching and defense. And if your defense isn't good, then you're going to, you know, if there's no run prevention from your defense, you're going to be in deep do <laughs> um i said i actually picked cleveland at the beginning of the postseason i thought they were going to go to the world series i thought they were going to have i i thought they're going to beat the yankees for reasons that we saw in games two and three that they're going to be like they were going to be like midges surrounding them and 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 i actually i and i thought they would upset houston um but i did have the caveat which was if the yankees got someone other than judge to come up big in the offense and also um, that if Garrett Cole stepped up, then they'd have a good chance. They do not have a division series, most valuable player award, but if there was one, it would have to go to Garrett Cole. I would think so. Who, who really look at people have trashed him because he lost a big game against Tampa in the COVID season, he got his butt whipped. I don't remember by whom in the wild card game last year. He had a hamstring injury. He wasn't pitching healthy. That's Stop fine. It. We imagine, but like sometimes you have players who have like are bleeding through their sock in these big games with ketchup. Yes. yes, yes. You got to yes, make the sure that, game. Uh, mm-hmm. it's ketchup, a one barbecue sauce. Either yep. way, 
I'm trying to praise Garrett Cole that he pitched very well in game one and he pitched exceptionally well in game four, which was the game they really needed him big time. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if it, if the Yankees are going to do well against Houston, I think it fares very well that Cole is pitching like the ace that they paid that they paid for. Right. I think the key for the Yankees against Houston is to split in Houston. They can win one of the first two games, then they go back home and have Cole and Nestor pitching probably three and four. They could be in a good position. Could. I mean, you never know how the playoffs are going to go. You know, heading into the division series, the Padres and the Dodgers, the Dodgers won 111, the Padres only won 89, the Dodgers beat them, what, 14, 15 out of 19? 15 out of 19 times, I think right. it was. Or four, 14 out of 19 times, yeah. Right, and what happened? So it's not automatic that Houston is going to beat up on the Yankees this no. series. Anything no. can happen. So I'm just hoping for a split. And I feel like the Yankees are at a bit of an advantage because they've been playing where Houston's been off because yeah. they swept so early and the Yankees are in more of a groove now because they've been playing and they haven't had too much of a break. The rain out, I thought the rain out was going to screw with them for right. game five. Um, but as soon as Stanton hit that home run, I, my nerves kind of left and I thought oh, yeah, they're gonna when, win when they game. were, when they gave, when he walked the first batter and it was looked like it was all over the place. Yeah, it was I four was pitches. Such, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And really the, the point when they had the bases loaded and Ramirez up after he, I mean, he hit the sack fly, but after that, you just got the sense that that was the, that was the guardian's best shot. That oh, yeah. inning was their best shot. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like Nestor got thrown off a bit because of the injury to Hicks. There was a delay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a good five minutes and, yeah. um, you know, I kind of got annoyed with the TBS sideline reporter, whose name I can't think of right now, Weiner. He usually does basketball, but some of his questions were kind of like you could tell someone. I don't think he thought them up. I think someone else gave them to him because when he was interviewing Boone after the third inning, you know, Nestor kind of lost it there. He made it seem like Nestor had no reason to lose it there. It's like, hello, the game was delayed for like six minutes while they were trying to figure out if they wanted to get Hicks off the field. So Nestor was great. He did everything the Yankees needed him to do today. He's been unbelievable all season. And he said after the game that he goes into these games because he's already been at the bottom of his career. And what does he have to lose? The bottom being being DFA'd from the Orioles when the Orioles were a last place team. You can't really get much lower than being DFA'd by a last place team. So he goes in with that mentality every time he pitches and it shows. You know, I actually thought the rainout and I posted this on Twitter, and Cleveland tw- Cleveland Twitter just roasted me. Um, I thought that the the rainout was going to help the Guardians because I thought they were going to throw Bieber in short rest. I thought so too. Um, and if they and was he hurt? I mean, why? Look at I I I'm a obviously I'm a huge Francona fan, and I think that over the years Francona has has always been a good person when the when the chips were down managing the pitching staff and the, he'll he'll like he threw Keith Folk in the seventh inning in one I don't remember what year it was or he threw Papelbon in the seventh inning or he'll use Miller in the fourth inning in a World Series game you know he he doesn't he kind of throws the 
any analytics out and basically says, I'm going to make sure my best guy at least is throwing a little bit. If it doesn't work, then fine. At least I've tried. At least I put my best guy out there. Uh, and I mean, I know Bieber doesn't normally sh- throw on short rest, but he is their best pitcher. And I thought, you know what? Throw him out there. If he stinks after three, then at least you've gone with, you've given him a shot. Right. And you can't throw a worse game than Chivali did. You know, yeah, that was, was as bad as I've ever seen. I was surprised that they were going with him in a do or die game. You know, it was five and six on the year. His ERA was close to a five. And, you know, I warned Yankee fans. I said, you know, sometimes they do okay against guys like this. And sometimes because they kind of throw junk that the Yankees kind of swing through things and don't do that well against guys with higher ERAs. But he was all over the place and, yeah. you know, was only able to record one out. And I don't know. I just feel like it's it was such a strange choice for them to do in a do or die game. Yeah. And let me tell you, I mean, he was on the mound and he was just from the beginning. He was sweating through his shirt. You could see it. Yeah. And he needed he needed to change that shirt. And you all know when you have a shirt and it's a hassle when you got to change it at the wrong time and you want a shirt that makes you feel good. Like, I don't know, Roan, the Roan shirts, you know, the Roan is basically the new evolution of the dress shirt. The dress shirt was due for a radical reinvention. And Roan, do you know what they did? They stepped up. The way Nestor Cortez stepped up. The way that Harrison Bader stepped up. Roan stepped up. And they have, guess what? It's called a commuter shirt. Now, this is not just for people in Westchester or New Jersey. This is the most comfortable, breathable, flexible shirt known to mankind. Here's why. Mobility. That's the key. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric. I've had three-way stretch fabric. Didn't work. Roan went to four. And it provides breathability, flexibility. It leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from your commute to your work to 18 holes of golf or, as I like to do, walk the damn dog. It is time to feel confident. With a wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle-free technology. Wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the shirt. It's that easy. And with cold fusion, anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable. So you can ditch the dry cleaner all together. Look it. The commuter shirt can get you through any work day straight into whatever comes next head to roan.com slash locked on use promo code locked on save 20 percent off your entire order that's 20 percent off your entire order when you head to roan that's r-h-o-n-e.com slash locked on use code locked on it's time to find your corner offers comfort by the way um my family lived in europe when i was about um nine or ten years old we lived in the city of uh, Geneva, Switzerland. And Geneva has the giant lake, Lake Geneva, and it funnels out to a river that goes from Switzerland into France. And you know what the name of that river is? The Rhine. The Rhone. Oh, the Rhone. Yeah. The Rhone. The Rhine is in Germany. Hey, oh, right. uh, before, <laughs> we con- before we continue, one of my good fans here is uh, David Samuel Blaine says, Hi, Mrs. Stacy. 
I'm a big autistic fan of both the New York Mets and Yankees since I was a little back in the mid-1980s. So uh, David wanted to give you a shout-out to Mrs. Stacy. Uh, <laughs> and David, David, you're one of my great fans out there. Keep, keep typing in stuff. Keep typing in stuff. I love David because David's in here for virtually every uh, uh, live stream. And when I asked him what his favorite team is, he listed a third of the teams. So he, he's cast a wide net, but he's been he's been following the uh, New York team since the 1980s. So keep on listening, David, and keep on throwing stuff out there. Um, I do want to uh, – we're going to touch a little bit on the National Championship Series at the end of this, but let's just quickly take a look at the, the, the Astros-Yankees series starts tomorrow. Or, you know, so there's – no rest for the weary, but you want to get right into it. Does cannonball into this? We saw what happened in the Houston, um, uh, Seattle, where they played four games. They only officially three, but they played enough right. for four games. <laughs> yeah, um, they were one swing away from being down two to one because they were losing with uh, uh, they were losing with two outs in the bottom of the ninth when Alvarez hit the home run to be the walk-off home running game one. Yeah. Then, of course, uh, if only the Mariners could score in the 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, or 17th, <laughs> just one damn run, any of those, then I might be able to bust out this Mariner hat again. <laughs> but no, uh, give Houston credit because the Mariners are a tough team. And yeah. obviously, they've got a great bullpen because take a look what they did. Yeah, on that fi- in that final game, right? Um, where was that bullpen in game one? But <laughs> fact of the matter is that that was a very good Seattle team that they managed to you know sneak past. And obviously, the Astros are a very good team. Uh, and I think beyond you know some of their stars and Alvarez is a is a wonderful hitter. Their pitching depth is, I mean, you have obviously a Verlander. Framber Valdez and, you know, Christian Javier and Lance McCullers Jr. I mean, going up and down, there's so much depth in their pitching staff. And I think more than anything, that makes them a really, really dangerous team uh, going into this. I, the Yankees, of course, could win, but this is uh, this is quite a challenge. Yeah, uh, the one thing I will say about Verlander, his his playoff numbers are so weird because someone had put up the stat where his ERA against the A's in the postseason is a one point like eight, but his he's dominated them. Dominated but his them. ERA against every other team that he's faced in the playoffs is over a four. <laughs> yeah, it makes it's no so there's, weird. There's zero sense. Yeah, zero sense. It's very strange. Um, yeah, the Mariners should have won that first game. That was I don't know what Service was thinking with the some of the moves that he made at the end of that game but um yeah like i said the uh the key for the yankees splitting in houston just split that's all we need even if you lose the first game just win game two and split don't go down o two and head home i mean you're not out of it it's a seven game series and um you know in 2017 they were down o two when they went back home and then they won the middle three and you know if things i always said if things were reversed and the yankees played four at home they would have won because houston couldn't do anything in yankee stadium and they seemed it almost seemed like they were intimidated by the crowd at yankee stadium it was really weird so 
It's almost like the Astros had some sort of an advantage when they were playing in Houston. <laughs> oh, right, right, yeah. The advantage they claim they didn't have in the they they only did it in the regular season. Oh, they didn't only do once, it in only the playoffs. Once, never did it again. And they and they went to church every day to pray and ask for forgiveness. Right, right. Um, I mean, t- I mean, I'm just going to bring this up here. I mean, look at, I mean, obviously. Verlander had an amazing regular season. He didn't pitch well in game one, but he had an amazing regular season. Uh, Framber Valdez was one of the biggest workhorses. We saw Luis Garcia pitch really well. We saw Christian Javier pitch well. Uh, Jose Urquidy, Lance McCullers, the kid Hunter Brown, uh, you know, pitched exceptionally well, and he's a weapon out of the bullpen. Uh, Stanek is a very good pitcher out of the bullpen. Montero is a good pitcher out of the bullpen. Ryan Presley is a good, you know, what they're able to do with Luis Garcia, all these, I think I mentioned them already. I mean, right there, that's about eight or nine pitchers who are legit major leaguers on there. Um, who, who are the Yankees going to start game one? I mean, is it going to be it's Tyone? Tyone? Yeah, it's okay. Tyone. Yep, it'll be Tyone. I believe it'll be Tyone, Seve, and then I think Cole Nestor for three and four. Because I believe there's an off day, right, between two and three, and Nestor won't have to pitch again till Saturday, so I think he'll be okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, you just mentioned someone who I have to give uh, a ton of credit to because, I mean, at the beginning of the year, I didn't pick uh, the Yankees nor Boston to make the postseason, and the reason I didn't pick the Yankees was I felt there were so many question marks in their pitching staff, and so many of them had to be I thought there was too many question marks had to go right. And as it turned out, a lot of them went right. I mean, remember going into this year, we weren't sure what you're were gonna get out of Cole. Right. Let alone Severino, let alone Jameson Tyon. You know, all these people were like, you know what you're gonna get out of them. Hey, you know, you didn't know what Clay Holmes was going to be. You didn't know what Nestor Cortez was going to be. And so many of them came through, but the one that I found the most shocking was Severino. Because when you consider that he had pitched four games, um, no, seven games since the 2018 season. I mean, that's I mean, that's basically so much injuries that you're almost like, I think we've seen the last of him. <laughs> right. You know, when when you have three straight years where you're the peak of appearances you have is four games, that's when you start thinking, yeah, I think his career is over. I think mm-hmm. his career is over. And I mean, he wasn't—he wasn't back to all-star form, but by the end of the season, he was. And by the end of the season, he was one of the best pitchers on the Yankees staff. Yeah, he had that injury, and he came back from it, and he didn't really miss a beat. You know, we were keeping an eye on his velocity when he first came back, and he was hitting 96, 97 with no problem, elevating it to 98, which was what we were keeping an eye on whenever we watched him pitch, and. You know, uh, he was fine on Saturday. You know, IKF didn't really help him that much uh, yeah, in the beginning. Well, Severino pitched well. He yeah. did a good job. Yeah. So I'm not really worried about Seve. He seems to step it up in the playoffs, and he kind of likes that pressure, and he does well with that pressure. Um, I'm a little worried about Tyone, um, mainly because of the home run problem, but that also scares me about Cole. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we saw Cole give up home runs so far in the series but he limited the damage you know yeah. the the big nailer home run that you know was it was just a home run it wasn't a game tying home run it wasn't a lead changing home run it was just a home run so yeah 
No, he did. No, look at uh, Cole did everything you could have asked from that. He pitched well. He gave him innings. He, you know, they didn't have to go to the bullpen too early. Right. Uh, you know, right. there was that in yes, some ways, yesterday. Sorry, Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little worried because his pitch count was slightly elevated in the fifth, I believe. And then he came out and threw what, like a nine pitch or seven pitch inning. And I was like, okay, he'll be fine. Yeah. And, you know, they kept him in for 110. And that was perfect because it made it so Boone couldn't screw up too much with the bullpen. So. <laughs> um, okay. We got uh, another one of my uh, really devoted listeners has a question. Adam Scott Bristol who actually uh, has been following me since the old Sully baseball days says, uh, Stacy, what's your view of Oswaldo Cabrera defensively? Yes. He had a home run in the division series, but a lot of swings and misses. I felt like he was overmatched against the high velocity relievers. Well, you know, I mean, it's his first playoff appearance. The, the guardians have an amazing pitching staff. I mean, really the starters and the relievers are really good. And you know, the Yankees are going to see more of those <laughs> types of pitchers in the ALCS. Um, I'm not going to fault him for looking a little overmatched in his first playoff run. You know, uh, no one was expecting Oswaldo Cabrera to be the guy that he is right now. You know, uh, when they brought him up that I don't think people were thinking, Oh yeah, he's definitely going to be on the playoff roster. You know, um, they certainly weren't expecting him to play left field either because he's usually an infielder. He's an infielder. <laughs> they've had him play everywhere. They even had him. I think they were thinking about having him take reps at first because they were worried about Rizzo's back and because of DJ LeMayhew's foot. And it just, yeah, the kid, I'm fine with how he's performing offensively because there are some other guys who aren't performing offensively yeah. who are veterans. So, <laughs> yeah, it's fine as long as he's okay defensively. Kind of screwed up that play today. Yeah. But he was calling for it. And I think Hicks may have been also calling for it. And I think because everything was so loud, they didn't hear each other. But the Yankees were lucky both of those guys didn't get hurt. And that just Hicks ended up yeah. with the injury because that could have been a disaster. Yeah. An absolute disaster. So I'm happy with Oswaldo Cabrera. I feel like he could have a big moment in the ALCS, like kind of shock the hell out of people. And I'm kind of hoping it happens. It would be really fun. Well, and if he does... <laughs> then it'd be a real, real boost of energy to the Yankees. Kind of yeah. like the boost of energy I get when I got a built bar. That's right. I got my what, what flavor I got here. I have the coconut built bar here, which is a good one. Uh, I was going to hold up the raspberry, uh, but do you know why I'm not holding up the raspberry? Well, which one do you got? Bring it up to the camera. Come on, Stace. Is it the raspberry? It's raspberry. <laughs> I, the reason I'm not holding up the raspberry, I ate you the ate, goddamn you, raspberry. You my, ate them all. Yeah. I ate all the raspberry. Oh, but guess what, Stacy? I don't mean to catch you off guard, but there is a brand new one. You ready? Are you holding on? Have I'm you holding. tried delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate? I have tried it, I've hoarded it, and I've hid it from the rest of my family. I'm not even kidding. Everyone who's listening to the show, watching the show, get the cookie dough chunk puff. It's one of the best things I've ever tasted. If you like cookie dough, it is amazing. It's amazing. Let me, I, let me just, I mean, look at, and I, and I say it's one of the best things I've ever tasted. I'm not talking built Bars. I've eaten cuisine yeah. in Paris. <laughs> I've eaten Italian food looking over the Cathedral of Florence, okay? I've had Maryland crab cakes. I've had the finest salmon of the Pacific Northwest. 
And you know what? I put Bilt Bars right up there. Right up there with the finest cuisine you'll see from the finest chefs. In fact, I want I wish they still had Iron Chef so they could have today's recipe is involves built bars. And then they go in, they have to make your built bars. But do you know what? I'll tell you the amazing thing about it. And I still still I still sometimes can't get over the fact they're covered 100 percent real chocolate. That's great. But do you know what? They're made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently. I'm spitting. And provides tons of health benefits. You got to eat something that tastes good and it's good for you. You, Stacey Gotsoulias, and everybody listening to my voice right now, going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff. Whenever, whenever you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or you're hoarding it from your cats, it is the perfect protein bar. They taste better than the candy bar. Ditch the calories, ditch the fat, ditch the sugar. Grab yourself a built bar. Hey, do we have an offer? Do, do we have an offer going on uh, here? I believe we do. Yes. Uh, there's a code locked on 15, if I'm recalling yeah, correctly. You, you yeah. You get, uh, you get, you go locked on 15, get 15% off your order. And I can't stress this enough. This is for locked on MLB and locked on Yankee listeners. I, we've worked it out. Both sets of listeners get it. So go to uh, built.com. And use promo code LOCKED15 and grab yourself some Built Bars. Built Bar! They're good! Okay. <laughs> I'm going to register that at ASCAP. Um, so, <laughs> the National League is surreal. I mean, the American League, the two teams with the best records are facing off in the American League Championship Series. Um. The two teams with the worst playoff records are facing off in the National League Championship Series. So, and naturally, the Phillies took game one in the classic, nothing makes sense anymore. Who had it when you had the Mets, a hundred win wildcard team, the Cardinals, a sneaky team filled with a lot, with, with, with maybe one, two National League MVPs. Uh, the resurgent pool holes and a good pitching staff. Yeah. You had the Dodgers having one of having the best win total in their franchise history and Atlanta, the defending champs with dreams of pairing up with the big red machine dancing in their head. So naturally home field advantage is Petco park, <laughs> which was just stolen tonight yeah. by the Phillies Yep, who finished. Let us remind us. One game ahead of the Brewers. Brewers fans, yikes. <laughs> the Brewers, who were in first place at the trade deadline, missed out. File that under yikes. Uh, I had uh, Miller Thomas on the other day, and we were talking about how, in some ways, this is a great advertisement for trying to get that last wild card spot instead of it being, oh, but who cares? You should get pounded. No, no, yeah. no. No, 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 no. Um, Zach Wheeler threw seven innings, one hit, shutout ball, struck out eight, walked one. Bryce Harper hit a home run. And Kyle Schwarber hit one into the upper deck of Citizens Bank Ballpark in Philadelphia, which is amazing when you consider the game was played in San Diego. (laughs) That's how far it went. Yeah. That was Bonds off of Troy Percival level home runs going on there. 
Yeah. Um, tell me your thoughts uh, of, you know, this really wackadoodle National League playoffs. Oh, yeah. It's really, I, you know, some people are complaining about it, you know, the whole. Win your games. Game, three game wild card and, you know, uh, I don't know. I kind of like it. I think it's I think it's funny that the teams that everyone was expecting to just roll through the playoffs were knocked out <laughs> right away. <laughs> um the Padres I think the the Phillies and the Padres are really really surprising though. I was shocked by how the Phillies treated St. Louis. That was just unbelievable to me. Like wow. Um yeah, not expecting that at all because as you said the Cardinals are sneaky, and anytime they're in the playoffs, they have a chance to make it all the way to the World Series, and you're kind of thinking, okay, so they'll just roll through the wild card. As you said, the Phillies barely finished uh, ahead of the Brewers, so you're just thinking to yourself, all right, Cardinals will probably sweep. They'll end up playing the Dodgers or whatever. the I can't remember the matchup now, but just the way everything worked out, I love it. An 89-win team against an 88-win team? Yeah. <laughs> Sure. Why not? That's great. Uh, it's funny. I was, I had a chance. You and I talked on the phone yesterday. I had a chance to get tickets for game five, San Diego, Los Angeles, of which at the beginning of the, ser- of the series, especially after Urias won game one, um, I thought, oh, these are worthless. These aren't going to exist. And then when it was 2-1 San Diego, you would have thought I grew up with posters of Fernando and Oral Hershiser and Pedro Guerrero on my wall. That's how badly I was rooting for the Dodgers. Uh, also, because I live here in Los Angeles County, you know, it's, it's tough to strike up baseball conversations with people when the local team isn't in it. Right. You yeah, know, once they're and, out, they don't really care. No, they don't care. No. And, but it's also electric when they are. Yep. Say what you want about Dodger fans. They fill that joint. They may not fill it from pitch one, and they may not be there at the final pitch, <laughs> but there's three million some odd people show up there every year. Right. And they're wildly popular in Los Angeles. And so when the Dodgers, I've been here for several, about three Dodger World Series, and it's electric when the Dodgers are doing well, they, they, they love them. And it's fun to talk about Dodgers with the local fans. I'll talk about any team. If, you know, if the world series winds up being Philadelphia versus Houston, guess what? I'm going to be yapping about it, but it's tough to bring up to people who are in LA say like, like, like last year, when it was Atlanta, Houston, trying to get anybody to talk to me about it. Uh, who wasn't a locked-on host. That was a tough sell. And, hey, did you see that game last night? You, what game? What game? <laughs> the Astros and the Braves. Oh, no. Why would I watch that? Because it's fun. But, no, it's it's really oh, – anyway. But, you know, it's uh, – you know, I could imagine one of the 100-win teams getting knocked out. Right. All three of them. Yeah. That was really surprising. I, I really thought, you know, I mean, the goose was, by the way, how have the Padres not asked back the man who clinched the 1984 pennant for them, Goose Gossage, to throw out the first pitch after the goose showed up? How, what are we doing here, San Diego? 
What are, are we they, doing here? Are they afraid he's going to say something stupid? Yeah, probably. Probably. That's probably probably why. Just put a muzzle on him. Yeah. He, actually have the actual goose do the interview. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny that um, the goose happened, and I think at the time Dodger fans thought that maybe the goose would turn everything around for them, but that's nope. not how it worked. No. Nope. But when, you know, the rally squirrel with the 2011 Cardinals – one of my favorite details about that, which, by the way, uh, that uh, up until this year, that was the most stunning Nash, National League Division Series upset I ever saw because I thought that Phillies team was arguably the greatest Phillies team of all time. Oh, and they was won- that the year when everyone was predicting the Red Sox and the Phillies were going to be in the World Series in yes. March and everyone yes. was oh, joking yes. about why should yes. we even play the season if you guys yes. are going to predict that? There were two years premature with the Red Sox prediction. Yeah. But uh, the, 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 I mean, that was the, they had Halliday, Cole Hamels, Cliff Lee. They still had Howard. They still had Utley. They still had, I mean, they still had Rollins. It was an unbelievable team they had. Oh, yeah. And, and that they lost one nothing on the Carpenter uh, outdueling uh, Halliday. Famously, the squirrel ran across, and, and they they won game one, and they gave like a five one lead to Cliff Lee in game two. And it's like, oh, this is this is a sweep, and you know, a squirrel famously ran across in I believe it was game four of the division series, and the Cardinals rallied in that, and they found it winning, and they wound up winning the World Series on the World Series ring. They have all the sorts of like details of like you know the Cardinals on the bat and the archway and all this. And in the corner of one of them, the squirrel head is picking out. <laughs> that the jeweler put the little squirrel head kind of peeking around the corner. That's and funny. I thought that's pretty cool. Um, hey, before we wrap up, the great Adam Scott Bristol has a question for Stacy Gotsulius. One more for Stacy. Do you have a sense that Boone has evolved as a manager the past few years, especially regarding playoff strategy? Schmidt the ninth was an odd decision, but look at his lineup construction. His bullpen decisions still make me crazy, but yes, lineup construction, he's much better at. I feel he's much better at, but his bullpen decisions still, like even today, I was a little worried about him taking Nestor out too early, Um, but Loisega pitched incredible for two innings and was dialing it up to 100 and he looked really good and it was taking him a while to get back into um, how he was a couple of seasons ago before he got hurt and it feels like the old Jonathan Loisega is back and if he is then he is going to be a weapon out of the bullpen but yeah lineup construction he does a good job bullpen decisions I'm still a little iffy with you know what's so funny um Astros Twitter hates my guts they <laughs> hate me they hate me yeah they, they just and Astro comments on YouTube hate me now um I'm looking at the remaining four teams and Sometimes I get more enjoyment out of the postseason when my team's not playing because I can just enjoy the games and latch on to some people and say, I hope they win. I hope that, or this person wins. And when I look around and who of the remaining teams, who has the person I want to win a ring the most is oddly on Houston. I want to see Dusty Baker you know, top 10 wins all time, um, has taken the Giants, Cubs, Reds, Nationals, and Astros to the postseason. Um, one of the few managers to manage a National League and an American League team to the World Series. The only thing on his resume is not a title as a manager. He won a ring as a player. Right. Um, 
if he wins, he's going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't. I have no compunction making that prediction. Um, it's weird. It's like he's the lone person that I feel the most like I'd like to see win, with the exception, the possible exception of Bob Melvin, who was multiple manager of the year victories, but never has a World Series, never had a pennant to his to his uh, um, to his resume. I feel badly for Girardi, who's watching this Phillies team possibly stampede to the World Series after they fired him. But a lesson that could be learned is um, when you look at the fact that the Padres and the Phillies, especially the Padres, were not looked as big-time buyers for a long time. They opened up their pocketbooks. They spent. Freaking San Diego is the definition of a small market team. They've got desert to the east, an ocean to the west, Mexico to the south, and Los Angeles to the north. And they opened up their pocketbooks and spent money on Machado, spent money on uh, um, uh, uh, Hugh Darvish. And, you know, not everything worked. Hosmer didn't work, but they tried lots of different things. And, of course, Philadelphia spent money on Harper, spent money on Rio Muto, spent money on Zach Wheeler, spent money on Kyle Schwarber. Look at the people who came through him today. Wheeler, Schwarber, Harper. Harper. Yeah. I mean, and, the, you know, and the Padres traded for, you know, Soto, traded for Hayter. Let's – let's. I'm going to do a thing about this in the, uh, uh, in the offseason, but – Let's not vilify buying a title. Right. Right. <laughs> because I will say this quickly. One of the questions that the, the uh, sideline reporter had for Giancarlo Stanton was, your payroll is big, the Guardians isn't. Like, he framed it like that. And I, I want to hear someone say that to the Dodgers one time, and I would like to hear someone say that to the Mets one time, because the Yankees aren't the only ones spending money. Thank you. And who's still in the playoffs? I'll flip it. Why aren't the Guardians spending money? Right. They're a team, they're a legitimate playoff contender with a billionaire owner. Exactly. Why is their payroll alongside the Pirates and the Marlins? I'm sick of this market BS. You have billionaire owners who can spend money. Just spend money and make your team better. And that's the lesson. There's a small, the Padres were the definition of a small market team. Mm-hmm. And I said, F this, let's spend money. Imagine how dangerous this Guardian teams would have been if yeah. they had a mediocre payroll. Yeah. It had like two more, like they spent the money on like two more bats. Yeah. <sighs> there you go. All right. I've had it. I've had it. I'm, I'm, I'm angry. You've made me angry. I'm going to have to eat this bill. I'm going to have to eat this bill bar. <laughs> Stacy got Sulius. Well, I'm mad chowing down on my built bar here. Um, where can people listen to your show? You can listen to my show. You take the wrapper completely off and hold the bar in your hand. <laughs> I didn't realize this was built bar eating etiquette. But Locked on eating etiquette. You don't. You don't keep the wrapper on to keep you know the chocolate. I'm an animal. Out. Okay. I'm an animal. Okay. You can find Locked You're on Yankees. You're a dainty princess. I'm an animal. <laughs> you can find Locked on Yankees on every podcasting platform available. You can find us on YouTube. I did a post-game show to celebrate the Yankees winning, but YouTube is being a pill and not processing my video. You can find me on Twitter at Stace Gotts because Stacey Gottsulius is too long. 
you look like you're smoking a cigar. And (laughs) um, you can follow Locked on Yankees on Instagram as well. Locked on Yankees, all one word, both Twitter and Instagram. No crazy underscores or anything like that. And you can watch me eat like an animal (laughs) here on my YouTube channel. You can follow us at Locked on MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Critiquing how I eat my built bars. And as I said, nice things about her Yankees. You did you would just, you know what? I've never seen this... anyone eat a bar like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is locked on MLB. I'm your false pass to solve him. Call me Sully. <laughs> Laugh it up. I'm not hitting end stream yet. Laugh. Keep laughing. 